0: I'm Kathleen Durkin of Columbia University's Zuckerman Institute.
1: And I'm Devin Powell of the Zuckerman Institute.
0: Welcome to Lab in the Time of Coronavirus, a podcast that follows the lives of brain scientists during the ongoing pandemic.
1: So for months, Kathleen, we've been telling the stories of researchers who are pivoting to work on COVID-19.
0: But today we're going to explore the pandemic's impact on the researchers themselves.
1: Specifically, we're talking to Ph.D. students who finished up their degrees during the public health crisis. So, imagine, you've spent years of your life doing experiments and analyzing data in the hopes of contributing some new knowledge to the world.
0: You're almost done. You're preparing to defend your written thesis to a public crowd and to your committee of professors. It's a big deal. And then COVID breaks out, and you're suddenly presenting your thesis on Zoom.
2: Everything was planned. People were flying in. It was right when the university was really figuring out what the rules were going to be.
1: That's Ellen Tedeschi, a former PhD student in the lab of Daphne Shahami at the Zuckerman Institute, who studied how curiosity affects our memories.
2: So it went from okay, you can have a public defense, but it can only be 20 people in the room. It's like, okay, we can just pick who to invite. That's fine. And then it was, you can have a defense, but it it can only be the committee in the room. And then like two days
0: later, it was like, no, nobody in the room. (laughs) So it was a really just kind of crazy process. During those early COVID days, Ellen eventually learned that she would be presenting her research on Zoom. It was a relief. Once it switched to online, it was like, oh, okay. At least now everybody gets to see it. And actually more people got to
2: see it than would have been there in person. We did some lab practices, which we do normally in person, but we did them over Zoom.
1: While practicing, she realized she would need to make some adjustments to be able to defend her thesis from a laptop in her living room.
2: One of the, the challenges during the practices was figuring out what, what the setup was going to be. Because I wanted to be able to see my notes and the slides and the audience. I can't give a good talk if I don't feel like there's an audience, but I ordered like adapters and connectors and uh, found another
0: monitor and connected so that I was reading my laptop, but I could see everybody on the screen behind it. As Ellen was preparing for her talk, Veronica Birdzall was squeezing in one last experiment for her work on proteins and neurodegenerative disorders with Clarissa Waits faculty in the department of neuroscience.
3: So my last day in the lab was mid-March sometime and I just barely managed to kind of finish the last experiment that I truly needed to do for to finish up and defend which was so so lucky.
1: Veronica moved back in with her parents in Connecticut to write up her PhD research.
3: They didn't have a ton of extra space, so I was mostly working in my childhood bedroom, writing my thesis in there. And of course, it's like bright blue, and there's like a huge Orlando Bloom poster.
0: She decided that Orlando Bloom might not make the best background for her actual presentation. Also, the internet in her childhood bedroom wasn't that great. So she set up her computer in the basement. I was just,
3: you know, nightmarishly concerned about the Wi-Fi just dropping out when I was trying to give my defense. And I actually did do the defense in the basement to be close to the router. (laughs) So it was it was incredibly bizarre. When you're in graduate school, you think about your thesis defense, you know, as the light of the end of the tunnel for the entire five to seven years that you're doing your PhD. And obviously having it remotely was much more anticlimactic. You have to let go of this kind of mental image that you've been having and kind of subconscious planning that you've been doing for years and years um, about the day. But then you remind yourself because the most important thing is that you actually defend and graduate.
1: With so many scientists now working from home, online thesis defenses have become the new norm. And this has caused some technical challenges, as Laura Long told us.
4: So I'm in a studio apartment with my husband and he... He logged on to try to watch my presentation from the other side of the room, and it kicked me off.
0: Laura was presenting her research on how the brain understands language, done in Nima Mesgarani's lab at the Zuckerman Institute.
4: Everybody's like coming into the Zoom call and all of a sudden I have to restart my computer. And so another friend of mine who is uh, also in the who's in my year in the graduate program was like telling everybody like she's rebooting. She'll be right back. And so I was five minutes late to my own defense because of that.
1: So her husband, John, jumped in here to tell us that more research might be needed to prove that he was the one responsible.
4: I would say that's a
2: hypothesis. It was not proven, and I'm not sure we could replicate it.
0: Laura ran into another technical issue after she finished up the public portion of her presentation and prepared to move on to the private Q&A session meant to be limited to her and three professors.
4: It was funny because they still had it all on the same Zoom call, but they just had to ask everybody to leave so that they could have a private defense. My brother was still there. He had like walked away and it was on his iPad that they had been watching from and somebody eventually figured out the right settings to kick him off.
1: Allie Kaufman of Attila Lushansky's lab at the Zuckerman Institute also ran into some technical issues while presenting from her bedroom.
5: I had set up this standing desk um, in my room, kind of next to my bed, but I angled the camera so that nobody could see.
0: In the middle of her presentation on how animals form mental maps, strange lines popped up on her computer.
5: Someone was accidentally drawing on my screen um, and I thought there was like a hair on my screen and I was like trying to wipe it off, but it wouldn't go anywhere. And then another line started like coming up really slowly and I was like, oh no, this is not, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I don't think it was on purpose. I don't think we were getting Zoom bombed, but that was definitely my thought. I'm pretty sure it was an elderly relative Um, who isn't used to using Zoom.
1: Despite the hiccup, Allie appreciated having that relative there. One advantage of defending on Zoom, she said, was being able to invite a big crowd of people who might not be able to attend otherwise.
5: Around 100 people were there. Um, I invited family from who live all over the country who would not otherwise have been able to come. And I actually think that's something really cool about the pandemic that I hope lasts um, people attending from far away.
0: Another plus to being remote, cookies.
5: Another thing that I really liked was sort of the flexibility of being able to work from home. Um, and I did get to bake in the middle of the day, which was really good for me. I was missing lab work, I guess. So I wanted to be mixing things up and putting them at of temperature for a while and <laughs> waiting. I mean, science is rewarding, but like cookies, there's nothing really beats how rewarding cookies are. <laughs>
1: Veronica also appreciated the space that being home provided.
3: I mean, if you had told me six months ago that I would have defended my thesis over Zoom, I would have probably had a mental breakdown, but it was totally fine. I had a lot more time to prepare for it because I wasn't working in lab concurrently, which I I would have been if the lab wasn't shut down.
0: And Laura said being home lowered her anxiety. There's a lot of
4: stress and build up and imposter syndrome and all sorts of stuff that goes into a defense. And so to a certain degree, knowing that it was going to be virtual took a little bit of pressure off as I was leading up to prepare.
1: A thesis defense usually ends with a party. And though getting together with lab mates and friends in person wasn't possible for the folks we talked to, they found other ways to celebrate.
4: Our doorbell rang four times and that had, when it had rung, not at all in the last couple months for a delivery of flowers and three different bottles of champagne. So that was really cool Um, from
0: family, friends, and actually my new employer as well. Champagne was a common theme, Allie told us.
5: Some people in the lab sent me a bottle of champagne uh, and a plant, which was very cute. I, I like plants. I had this plant corner in the lab. Um, when we moved to Zuckerman and had more light. Yeah, so I had this bottle of champagne and I stood at my same standing desk um, where I had defended my PhD and uh, everybody tuned in on Zoom for a party afterward.
1: So what's next for the newly minted doctors we interviewed? Well, Ellen is applying to several positions. Some are academic, some are not.
2: I'm just kind of going to see what comes along. But it'll just depend on kind of what schools are trying to do. And I know a lot of them still really don't know what things are gonna look like in the fall. So it's kind of a wait and see kind of thing.
0: Allie's heading to a biotech company.
5: I'm gonna do a postdoc over at Regeneron um, starting at the end of July.
1: Laura got a job at a foundation.
4: I am an assistant scientist with the Science Collaboration on the Global Brain, which is essentially an arm that funds projects, especially aimed at uh, trying to understand neural populations and dynamics.
0: And Veronica is going into consulting. I have a, a job that hasn't started yet uh, in, at a
3: boutique life science consulting firm. So I feel really lucky to have a job. I, just got, I think I just got incredibly lucky at every aspect with my defense, the timing of everything. Um, yeah, so I feel I'm really grateful for that.
0: Thanks for listening to Lab in the Time of Coronavirus. Take a look at the show notes for links to all of the things we discussed. You can find all of our episodes at zuckermaninstitute.columbia.edu or on iTunes. Take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. That makes it easier for other people to find us.
1: And special thanks to Rui Costa, Jennifer Ferris, Daphne Shahami, the researchers who sat down with us for this episode, and the entire Zuckerman team. The music was provided, as always, by Miguel Zanon, jazz artist in residence at the Zuckerman Institute. And if you have any thoughts or any questions, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Zuckerman Brain. But before we go, Kathleen, you want to hit them with your question you always ask?
0: What is the first thing you plan to do post-pandemic?
1: Veronica told us,
0: Definitely go to a bar. Be in a crowd of people, get a
3: beer, you're sitting, you're looking around, you're in a new location.
0: <laughs> Definitely go to a bar. Allie says,
5: Going to a concert, um, going to the opera, get good good uh, student opera tickets. So um, I'd really like to be able to do that again.
0: Laura told us,
4: the first thing is probably some sort of trip to see family or friends. The thing after that is the thing that I would ha- we would have been doing now for a combination of milestone birthday, delayed honeymoon, PhD celebration, which is a trip to either Japan or Australia.
1: And Ellen, who now lives in Colorado, told us this.
4: I, I sort of
2: promised myself, like, when we moved, because I felt like we were just fleeing, that I want to I want to get make a trip back to New York and sort of say goodbye and I mean see people and friends and have a farewell that feels a little bit more official and happy